Song Whisperer, you guess the lyrics we play this song. I said at the start of the show, I've been to Hollywood, I've been to Redwood, who can that be with us? From Nelson's Kevin. Kia ora, Kevin. Kia ora, Wallace, how are you? Did you get it straight away? I've been to Hollywood, I I've been did. to Redwood. <laughs> Absolutely, instant recognition. You're young, one of my favourite artists. Oh, you know, you know something, Kevin, I'll tell you this, that... Um, I'm a, I'm a late convert. I, I only got Neil Young about a year and a half ago, but I've fallen hard for him. I've fallen hard. A magical, magical musician, right? Absolutely, absolutely. I discovered him in my sort of late teens, early 20s, you know, that time where your emotional peaks and lows, and, um, yeah, he's a perfect fit for that sort of time. I just love it. What about, what about you, Ginny? Are you a Neil Young fan? Um, fan? I don't know, but I do remember when I was... Quite young, my I had a, a brother who's about five and a half years older than me, and I remember him buying the Neil Young album that Heart of Gold comes from, and yeah, so hearing good. it a lot. It is, oh, it is amazing. It's just such a good album, Chris. Oh, such fond memories. I took uh, my then girlfriend, now my wife, Karen, to uh, Neil Young. He played in Christchurch during serious? the Russ Never Sleeps concert. <gasps> it was extraordinary. And I don't know, Kevin, if you were there, but Heart of Gold, of course, was played, and just <gasps> the euphoria in this crowd. Oh, my gosh. An amazing night. You be, you went, you, you've seen it live, Kevin? No, unfortunately I haven't. I've, I've missed out a couple of times, and I sort of wonder if I'll get the chance now. He's a, you know getting on in yeah. the years, so... Oh, thanks for the memories. Thanks for playing, Kevin Kiotta. That's uh, Kevin and Allison there who got it right. I've been to Hollywood. I've been to Redwood. Instant recognition there. Oh, my gosh. Those of us of a certain age will remember Homestead Chicken back in the 70s and 80s. Stop it. Homestead Chicken. I can see the sign now. Their menu included the most scrumptious sweetbreads. I have yet to taste sweetbreads anywhere that were as good since. Does anybody else remember going to Homestead Chicken. Pre-KFC. Cobb and Co. But times. I'm confused. I'm confused. Homestead Chicken, but sweetbreads don't come from chickens. They come from cows that's or a, lambs. That's a good point. And they probably don't point. come from Hollywood they or taste Nashville. Like, apparently they taste like chicken. That's what it said. All right. Um, Homestead Chicken. 2101. It's 4.37. You're on the panel. Uh, Ginny Morton, Chris Clark with me. New Zealand workers are putting greater importance on flexibility and mental well-being than getting ahead at work, according to new research. Annual Randstad Work Monitor, which gives a snapshot of work attitudes, says that ambition is no longer viewed in its traditional sense of career progression, with workers more likely to consider mental health support, 86%, and flexibility of working hours, 82%, as important compared with career ambition at 42%. With us is Professor of Management at Massey University, Jared Ha. Kia ora, Jared. 
Yoda. This is amazing. Imagine taking the same snapshot 30 years ago, back in 1994. It would look drastically different. Drastically, yep. Um, although I remember my father working, and when he when he left work, that was it, right? There was no computers, there was no cell phones, um, he never got a phone call at home. So he could, you know, once you left work, you disconnected. And I think that's what that's showing us here, that, you know, mental health support hit twice the levels of career ambition. And so perhaps that's actually workers figuring out that if they want longevity in the workplace or the or the job market, they actually need to look after their mental health first. Or, Professor Ha, is it that we, post-COVID, are just less ambition? Sneaking in is a little bit of a whatever when it comes to the workplace. I th- and I do think I think that I think COVID is a good a good context there, and I do think part of it though is that whatever mental health issues have flowed out of COVID, we definitely haven't seen the workforce recover. So I do think there's just this um, you know serious underlying current in the workplace around mental health in general, and I and I do think this is kind of reflecting here because you know mental health support. Being, you know, being kind of number one there and, and flexibility of work hours, you know, I think that also shows, you know, if I get to work from home, perhaps I can manage the stress of my work and life. Um, and, you know, I do wonder whether this is actually a good thing for organisations because, you know, a mentally healthy work is going to be way more efficient and effective than, you know, maybe somebody burning the midnight oil with that career ambition, but then burning themselves out at the same time. What about you, Jenny? You know, as a as a high flying financial advisor, can you relate to this uh, at all? That flexibility is important mental health, or or actually sheer naked ambition is way more important. Well, I find that this is a huge topic, and I find it really interesting. Um, and I think there's a couple of points here. One. I think we have a generation coming through from the workforce who, dare I say, maybe have got it a bit more right than we have in terms of their work-life balance. So you get a lot of um, older staff members who say that young people don't have a good work ethic, they don't want to work hard, they don't want to give it their all, um, they're out the door at five o'clock, they're not putting in extra time. But maybe they have just got it a bit more right than those of us who thought to succeed you had to work all the hours that God sent. What I find interesting in all of this, though, is you know we talk about Um, mental health support, we talk about flexibility and compare that to career ambition. Where does remuneration sit in all of this? Because what I do think we see a little bit of is, um, no, I don't want to work as hard as you have because I think that's the wrong way about it, but I do want to earn good money. So I'm wondering where remuneration sits in with this Mm -hmm. research. Yeah, that's that's a very good point, isn't it? The the, the the missing context there might be, you know, a lack of career ambition is an, is your own option, but does it come with a, oh, but I still want to be well paid um, mm. and excessively so, in which case we might have to say, well, actually, now now you're getting into an unrealistic position. So I, I think or is it going to be the new reality? Well, I think employers are going to be less, Less inclined to say, well, hey, I, I don't mind that you want to finish at five, but let me just keep pumping up the wages. I think we, um, you know, we, we've seen downsizings and things like that are already beginning. So um, it'll be interesting to see whether this holds in the next, you know, what we might find at the end of this year is that 
you know, the, the dominant one might be job security, um, and in which case it'll be interesting to see because that obviously ties into things like mental health and things like that, um, and and flexibility for that for that matter. So. It, it's, uh, but I mean, I do agree. I totally agree that I think this is a changing focus on work-life balance um, and power to them. Because I think a lot of workers are probably realising that, gee whiz, I've you know burnt myself out or close to it, um, and you know that living with that kind of condition is not necessarily an enjoyable one. Chris. Jared, I'm I'm nodding as you're speaking. Uh, just this morning, uh, one of my staff rang me to say, look. Um, really difficult. I can't. I can't make this meeting. My husband is a helicopter pilot, and he's fighting the fires on the Port Hill. So he's leaving at five thirty in the morning. He gets home at eleven o'clock at night. And he's taking calls to the next fire and so on. So she needs flexibility. We've got an organisation can, that can make that possible. And another staff member has got an unwell child. Again, needs flexibility, which is exactly what you're saying. But there's another aspect which uh, you alluded to, I think, in your article, which is actually while they may not be career ambitious in the traditional sense, they are ambitious about learning. And I'm, certainly, I'm seeing in that my, among my staff is a fear of, of stagnating and a real desire to keep learning, to keep pushing themselves, to take oh, yeah. courses, to, to learn. Is that something that you're seeing reflected in the analysis as well? Yeah, and I think the good thing with the learning is that, you know, that's actually a key motivator for workers. You know, that's more likely to have, you know, workers who are, who are out there stretching themselves are more likely to stay with an employer that's offering those kind of, um, oh, you know, aspects of, of in the job. So I do think those are really important things. And again, I think that kind of creates this tapestry where perhaps pay, you know, and, and we are in this still kind of financial crunch. So I'm not saying pay is not uh, important, but I do think some of these other elements can be, um, you know, if, you, if you're a business that goes, geez, I can't afford to pay you 10 grand more, but I could give you a small pay rise and provide lots of training. You know, that might be the way um, organisations can both motivate their staff and keep them, I guess, because that'll, that'll be another key thing as well about keeping talent. All right, so in a few years' time, we're not going to do a research, um, Professor Hart, to say that uh, our productivity has absolutely plunged and deep-dived <laughs> because people are no longer into working. They want to um, go surfing instead. Yeah, that's... Uh, well, I think the reality is, you know, workers who don't who aren't productive, who don't do, um, you know, some kind of modest level of required performance will we'll lose their jobs. They'll be the first ones right. to be laid off. Um, so I do think with, you know, as much as, but it might be that we, we recognise that a, a new group of employees think their 40 hours a week work is just that. That's where they stop. And maybe that's right. a good thing to recognise. Nice to have you on the programme as always, Professor Ha, kia That's Massey University Professor uh, Jared Ha there. Um, someone says, careers aren't guaranteed for young workers. We aren't paid enough to care. It's obvious that younger people are not remunerated at a similar rate to previous generations. By the way, loving your feedback about homestead chicken. Amazing. I used to work at Homestead Chicken in Manor Street, Wellington. The deep-fried sweetbeds were indeed absolutely delicious. How about that? People do remember a homestead chicken. I concur that homestead chicken didn't indeed do sweetbreads. <laughs> and they were rather nice. But don't forget the coleslaw. It was sensational. That is a great story. I love it. Maybe listen to a Neil Young soundtrack in the background. <laughs> Yeah, Neil Young would be uh, on, the, on the speakers at Homestead Chicken, I'm sure. Anyway, the panel, RNZ National, we have Jenny Morton and Chris Clark. And to this, 
the historic Kandala Pool. You may even have grown up swimming in it. It's a hundred years old this month. It could be shut permanently later this year. Closing the pool is one of the proposals made by the Wellington City Council this week at its long-term planned meeting as it looks to pay for ballooning costs. The capital city, what has been plagued by water leaks, $1.8 billion needed for water infrastructure upgrades. With us is Tony Shanks, the Kandala resident and representative of Save Kandala Pool. Kia ora, Tony. Kia ora. How have locals reacted to the possible closure of this near century old community pool? Well, I think if anybody saw it on the, the news, um, the, there was a bit of shock and awe in the community. Um, understandably, the feeling amongst the communities um, from near and far is confusion and disappointment because, you know, as of um, February 2022, um, after a consultation process, we were looking at getting, there was $808 million um, allocated from the council for a well overdue upgrade with significant remedial work needing done. And then in June, they were going, yep, yep, it's all looking good. You know, and, you know, we'll be um, consulting with the community over the feasibility reports that have been undertaken. And then in, recently, of November 2023, the council agreed to the upgrade. And now, just shy of its, you know, anticipated 100th birthday, they're going, actually, let's put it back on the chopping block and, and, and close it, which is really sad. So, yeah, sense of shock and awe. Shock and awe. Yeah. Should it stay or should it go? One in Tonians, yeah. two, one, zero, one. Yeah. No, I yeah. saw the I, I saw the news clips. Um, nonetheless, the figures are stark. Your city is in deep, deep trouble. Things have to go. It's time for mm. tough choices, Tony. Absolutely, absolutely. And look, and there's no denying it, the council has some really hard decisions to make. Um, but, you know, there is systems and processes and considerations and voices that, you know, must be heard. It's part of our, our democratic processes. Um, and at this stage, at this point, they, that hasn't happened with our community. Um, my understanding is that there was, you know, a, a focus group that was created that gave their views, but the actual formal con- community consultation, which is, you know, Part of the process to be heard um, hasn't happened, and you know, it's. It, I think the other thing too is that you know if they do close that pool, um, where is that money going to go? Is it going to go into the drains? Right. I don't think so. It's a different remit. It's it's a different place. Let's get so, around the panel, and you can respond to both, uh, Tony, Jenny. Uh, do you do, do you think tough choices should be made, Jenny, or think well, it's a hundred year old pool's got to stay? Oh, it is definitely about tough choices, isn't it? And we went through something similar in Christchurch after the earthquakes when so many community oh. pools were damaged and the council had to make decisions about which ones they chose to repair and reinstate and which ones had to be demolished. Um, you know, I I don't envy the people who have to make these decisions and it is um, – I think the community is doing a great job of making its feelings known and heard, and I think that's sort of, you know, the power of the people. Um, but tough choices will have to be made. Chris? Yeah. 
Tony, I spoke to a friend today knowing the story was coming up who has swum in that pool um, every week, if not every day, for the last 25 years. Absolutely right. loves the pool. And he tells the story about the fact that it's not heated. And when he first started going swimming there, it was free. And then I think it was a gold coin. And then that became three dollars. And he said, if you go there now, it's a really rowdy place. He said, it's full of mums, young babies and kids. He said, it's just absolutely fabulous. So he's a, he's a great advocate for the pool. But a bit like Jenny, I can't help sitting there thinking when you're facing the kind of issues you're facing in Wellington, you know, how many other Kandala pools are there right around the city? If not a pool in terms of other things that are treasured by a community, but actually become unaffordable. Given the scale of challenges that, that, that cities face. And in fairness to you and, and to the cause that you're making, I think it's unfair to put all of this on, on, on the shoulders of the council because clearly yeah. government has to... I agree with both your comments and I do appreciate the hard decisions. Um, I think it's just a case of we're wanting to let the Wellington City Council know that it's just not okay just to close Kandata Pool with little regard of what the community wants and we haven't had that opportunity to really share that. You know, we love this pool and obviously, you know, it would be remiss if we didn't do anything to save it. And, you know, and on a, I guess, more of a, um, what would you say, sort of like a, on a level of, you know, it was built by the local community for the wider community over 100, nearly 100 years ago. And we kind of owe it to its Papa and to Wellington, wider Wellington, to, to at least come together and have that conversation with the council for options of how we can save it. And, it, you know, it might not be the plan that they've got in place, but there could be an, there could be other options that haven't been investigated, and that's what we want to be part of. All right, Tony, thanks for raising the issue with us, and uh, look, all the very best for the pool. Mm. Good luck. Uh, Tony Shanks, Kandala resident and representative of Save Kandala Pool. You, both of you, though, were erring on the side of shut this century-old pool, I can tell. Well, in fact, I, I think, Tony, what she said right at the end is actually the clue, where she's saying there may well be some other options. We often see it as a polarity. Keep the pool, close the pool. Again, talking to my friend, he's saying, is there a community fundraising what, campaign what, what? we could put together? You know, are there things right. like that we could do to help? So oh, okay. there may be some other more creative options out there than simply a, a closure versus keep it open kind yep. of thing. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it shouldn't just be, do we keep it or do we, you know, demolish it? And I think the community should have some input into where it sees its priorities. Um, so it's yeah, it's not shut it down, but someone's got to make that decision. Yeah, been swimming there for fifty of those hundred years. The community could just get together and start a little page. That's how Karori funded their school pool to have a cover on it. Um, so pupils could have swimming lessons all the year round. Mind you, eight million dollars. That's a big. Uh, chunk of change on a give a little page. Indeed, but without yeah. wishing to offend the people of Wellington, Kandala is probably one of the better healed suburbs to actually be able to support something like that than, say, some other suburbs sure in Wellington. Thing. Yeah, fair point. All right, uh, the panel, uh, NZ National, what do you think about that? Just close it or should it uh, keep going? And speaking of swimming, the World Aquatics Champs came to a close in Doha over the weekend and New Zealand had a lot of success. Last Monday, Erica Fairweather won gold in the 400 metre Freestyle, the first ever gold medal for a New Zealander at the World Champs today. Lewis Clairbert quickly followed that up by bringing home another gold in the 400 metre individual medley. All up, we finished with four medals, which puts us in great stead for Paris Olympics. Are we entering another golden era of swimming in New Zealand. With us is swimming commentator and journalist Dave Cranfrin. Kia ora, Dave. G'day, Wallops. How are you? Was this expected? I mean, this is this is quite some success. Yeah, well, it was very successful. I mean, 
getting getting a world title is is a big deal for New Zealand because we have never done it before, let alone done it twice. And in terms of medals, there's only been six swimmers in the entire history of New Zealand swimming who have actually medalled at these champs, let alone one. Wow, amazing, eh? So did we see any personal bests? Yeah, well, Erica Fairweather, when she won her gold medal, she did a personal best, and she was the third person in the world to do a 400-metre freestyle twice in under four minutes. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> it's really quite something. So let's bring our panel. Jenny, I don't know if you follow the swimming when uh, the Olympics are on, but I just, I just, it's my favourite. Uh, <laughs> it's my absolute favourite seeing what's going on in the pool. Any questions there, Jenny Morton in Christchurch? Well, no questions, but isn't, is, it is really exciting because we have had some sensational swimmers over the years in New Zealand. Yeah. I mean, we'll never forget Daniel Loder um, and his achievements. But, you know, I remember, I say, this Janie Parkhouse mm. and, you yeah. know, good Christchurch swimmer. And I just think that we swimming is one of those sort of sports that, you know, New Zealanders tend to do good at sports where we're not. Oh, I don't know, but I just think that it's exciting and it's good to it's good to watch and and I think you know anything that gets the country behind yep. um, these athletes is just wonderful. Stay there, Dave. Chris, oh, Dave, look, two questions. Um, one: yep. to what extent is the success of Erica and Lewis? Do you think um, as much about the coaches as it is about their performance? And then a second question: we do seem to go through phases. Uh, Jenny's talked mm. about Tanya Loder and Jenny Parkhouse, but it seems like we have moments where we do really well and then not for many years. What would it take for us to get to the consistency, say, of Australia uh, and to consistently have great swimmers performing right through all the championships? I just think every now and then we get some swimmers who are really good. Daniel Loder got three medals at a world long course champs in, um, in 1994. Lauren Boyle uh, did the same thing. She also broke a, world record, uh, broke a world short course record in Wellington in 2015. But now we've got two swimmers, um, Lewis Clebert and... Um, Erica Fairweather, who have both medalled at two different FINA world long course champs. Now, that doesn't happen very often at all. In fact, the only other person who has done it is Lauren Boyle. Right. And you know, you know and, so, right? and so we've got, we've got this, um, these two swimmers who are doing it in two different meets, and we've got another one, like, uh, another one called Eve Thomas, who did all 100% personal bests, three events, three personal bests, and got top four in two of her events. She's one to look out for. But Dave, tell us about the coaches. What's your sense of the state of the coaches across the nation? Are we, is, are we also getting really high performance from them? Because the evidence would suggest that we are. Well, I mean, it's, 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 it's weird really, because if you look at where the swimmers are swimming, Erica Fairweather is down in Otago with Caitlin Deans, who was also in the uh, in the relay that broke two New Zealand records. Uh, Lewis Clever has moved up to Auckland. He's with um, um, a, a group of guys up in Auckland. But if you look at the top swimmers who are doing well, they are either in Otago or in Auckland. No. And so that's why, that's why, for example, our young, uh, one of our youngest swimmers called Monique Wierzowski, who came second at World Juniors, um, at the last World Juniors, has moved to Auckland, as have a few others, because 
<laughs> living in sticks. You don't get yeah. the coaching that you need Dave, you get the performance it, that you want. It's, <laughs> it's so exciting. I've got, to, I've got to sneak this in. John says, it is no irony that you're celebrating swimming and closing a pool mm. in the same minute. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, Dave, good to have you here. Uh, I know. It yeah, is. Yeah. Uh, Chris Clark, Jenny Morton, fantastic stuff. Thanks for being with me today on a Monday. And we're going out with a bit of heart of gold. Uh, someone says, what about Sophie Pascoe? Indeed. All right, I'll be back tomorrow at 3.45. Lisa Owen and Checkpoint is next. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.